Welcome to Pet Will Radio, a unique show about amazing animals and inspirational people. With your host, author, animal advocate, and attorney, Peggy Hoyt. Hello and welcome. You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Pet Will Radio. This show is brought to you today by the law offices of Hoyt and Bryan and MyPetWill.com. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. It's my pleasure to be with you. And today we're going to have a special guest and talk about um, some pet rescue, some things that she's doing out in California um, to help alleviate the um, homeless dog situation out there. And if you have questions during the show, you can always join us live at mixlr.com forward slash petwill. You can also find us on Facebook at All My Children Wear Fur Coats and on Twitter at Kids in Fur Coats. Today, I'm proud to be able to welcome as our special guest, Piper Wood, who is the founder and president of Hand in Paw Rescue. And welcome to the show, Piper. Thanks, Peggy. Thanks for having me. Well, you are so welcome. We're excited to have you on the show. Um, every now and then we get a chance to talk to somebody who's doing um, rescue out in the California area. And since we're in Florida, um, it's nice to be able to reach all the way across the country and find out what's going on in your neck of the woods. So tell us a little bit about where you're located and how you got into the rescue business. I'm um, on the east side of Los Angeles, and uh, the homeless situation here for pets is um, out of control, and I really didn't realize it until I started the rescue, and I fell into it kind of by accident, but um, I've loved animals all my life. I've been saving them all my life, just random strays when I was a little kid, and um, anything from birds to bugs to dogs, but um, I've had many careers before this, and uh, but my heart has always been with rescue, and um, one day I saw a post on social media about a dog that was going to be put down in the shelter, and at that time, I had never seen a post like that before, and I saw that the post had something like 5,000 comments, and time was running out, and you know, all the comments were just, I wish I could do something, I wish I could do something. And the dog had something like an hour left to live. So I went down to the shelter and I got the dog out. And I had no idea um, that these posts were like thousands and thousands in the shelters every day like that. And so um, from that, I... From that one post, I took that dog, I got it a home, and then I started seeing more posts like that, and then people started tagging me in posts like that, and it just became my life, and I actually quit my job and started the rescue, and, you know, it's just, um, it's become something really great, but at the time, I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, I was independent at first, and then I started my 501c3 shortly after that, and have been really blessed to find great fosters and um, networking and a good following that keeps me going. Well, you you mentioned to me that this has really taken on a life of its own and it's now your full-time job, but tell us a little bit about what you did before you were full-time animal rescue. 
Well, I started out um, originally, I went to USC to be a business major and to work in marketing research, which was what my dad did. Um, and then I, well, I grew up with a brother with autism. And um, while I was at USC, I kind of switched my majors halfway through and started studying child psychology and abnormal psychology. Um, and I became a therapist for children and adults with autism. And um, I got my master's in autism as well. And then, um, you know, working with clients all day, I kind of got burned out because I'd come home and then I'd always be helping with my brother too. So I went back to the abnormal psychology part of it and uh, wanted to study criminals. And so I got my master's in criminal justice and became a police officer. Um, and uh, even while I was a police officer, I was picking up strays and putting them in my p patrol car and hiding them and then finding them home. So it was, it was always something in the back of my mind. Um, I was also involved with a, a local shelter in the city that I was working for. So um, I eventually left the police department and became a chef. Um, I went to culinary school and then I started my own catering company and I became a private chef for a while. And that was when I saw that one post and it kind of, you know, took over everything. But, um, yeah, and now I'm here. And that was five years ago. Oh, my gosh. Well, that certainly was kind of a long way around to where you are. But it sounds like all of those things were probably good preparation for doing what you do today. Absolutely. Um, it is you know, even though I was a police officer, this is actually more stressful um, because as a police officer, you get a plethora of calls and situations to deal with, but literally every situation as a rescuer is life and death. So, um, and it's not just saving the animals, it's, it's a lot of people skills, which that also prepared me for as well as behavioral therapy. So yeah, I definitely think it prepared me and it allows me to um, keep my stress at a lower level than I think most, because um, I do deal with a lot of um, pretty bad situations. I see everything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. So are you the kind of person, Piper, that might be driving down the road, see an animal in distress, like in somebody's yard or something, and basically like walk up to the house and say, I'm just going to take this animal away from you? Um, I have to be careful with that. I do pick up a lot of animals on the side of the road or strays. Um, if it's in someone's yard and it belongs to them, I have to do things a certain way just to uh, stay out of legal trouble. But um, if I don't think someone's watching, then I can probably do something. But, um, yeah, it, the laws are not that great for the animals like if you see a dog in a side yard and it's filthy and you know the bare minimum needs to be met for them to go and and people say like just grab the dog and take it but I mean you can get in a lot of trouble um, so you have to sometimes get animal control involved unfortunately like I said as long as there's food and water and minimal shelter then they don't really do much um, yeah, so I'm sure that you see on a regular basis, I mean, situations that would make the the average person just 
so tearful and so upset and so unable to cope. But because of this history that you have with your training and everything, I can see where it would be um, less stressful for you than the average person that might get into the rescue business. And and maybe you should just comment for our listeners, because a lot of our listeners are people who love animals, obviously, and we all think, oh, wouldn't it be great to have a rescue? We have this uh, idea, this pie in the sky that it's just, you know, taking care of these cute little animals and helping them find a forever home, but it's so much more than that. So can you comment on that? Yeah, um, it is so much more than that. Uh, Now that I have sort of established myself, I mean, it's a bit overwhelming. I probably get 20 to 30 calls a day, um, and I can't help all of them because I don't have a facility. I work solely um, with fosters. So if I don't have a foster home, I can't take an animal, and, um, and that frustrates a lot of people that call me for help. I mean, I really do what I can, and I'll put out emergency pleas. Um, but yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, I, I get told all the time, like, oh, I couldn't do what you do. Um, and I don't think it's that I'm stronger. I think that you really need to keep the big picture in mind that this is not about you. This is about, um, easing as much suffering as you possibly can. And, um, you'll see things that, will haunt you forever, but at the same time, you have to do something because they, they need us. They're so innocent, and um, there's just so many that need help. So would you say that in your particular rescue that um, there's a particular kind of dog that you see more of than another? In Los Angeles, uh, definitely chihuahuas and pit bulls, and as we... Um, talked a little bit about, about before, huskies, um, a lot of larger breed active dogs, um, because people are not aware of the characteristics of a breed that may be particularly active, they may not have the right living situation or, or exercise the dog enough, so the dog will escape. Um, if the dog isn't microchipped, then those dogs are often not recovered. Um, and then, uh, yeah, people just they, they need to understand the dog before they adopt or buy it from a breeder, unfortunately. Um, and then we do see a lot of senior dogs, a ton of senior dogs in the shelters, and that is um, a group that I really uh, gravitate towards. I really feel bad for the seniors. Uh, and they're in the shelters for a variety of reasons, whether the family... Um, unfortunately, thinks the dog is too old and they don't want the dog anymore, they'll take it to the shelter. Um, if the dog has health issues, which seniors often do, whether it's blindness or um, masses like mammary tumors, if they haven't spayed or neutered the dog, um, you know, a lot of health issues can arise. So, And then um, uh, owners uh, passing away and not having a plan for the dog, so seniors end up in the shelters, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. They're just it's just such a betrayal for them. So, Well, yeah, and I'm happy to hear you say that, Piper, because really that's one of my passions, really, is helping people create plans for their pets so that um, 
so that any pet, but particularly a senior pet who might belong to a senior, doesn't end up in a shelter environment. I can think of nothing worse. And in fact, over the weekend, I saw a Facebook post. Um, somebody had put something up about a 15-year-old dog who had been um, placed in a shelter by his owner. And it was just so heartbreaking to me. I, I immediately sent a message like, I will take this dog. Um, because seniors are really wonderful dogs. They are usually well-trained. They get along with other dogs most of the time. All they want to do is please, and they really absolutely do not want to be in a shelter environment. I mean, I just can't even imagine how terrifying that would be for an animal, and all it really takes is somebody to do a little bit of planning, that's why we created MyPetWill.com so that somebody could go to our site, fill out the information form, pay a small fee, $15.95, create a standalone pet trust, link it to an online profile for the pet, and have that um, same number attached to a tag that that pet wears on its collar um, so that all three pieces work together so that they don't end up at your place uh, trying to find a home that they actually are going to have a home and that there's going to be money available to help provide for them. Absolutely. Um, and in addition to that, you know, keeping, keeping them out of the shelter also saves other dogs because, um, you know, when a dog enters a shelter, they've got to kill for space. So it prevents a lot of um, heartache all around. And uh, if, if there is a plan for a dog, it also enables me to take in another dog that may desperately need help. So it's always good to plan. And um, But uh, it's amazing how many calls I get just like that with people who... Um, well, and, and let's just make the point to um, our listeners as well that, I mean, it takes money to run your organization. So, I mean, it costs money for veterinary care, for food, for advertising, for just the day-to-day -day running of the operation. Um, and so when people leave their pets to somebody, it's nice to think that you're doing them a favor by leaving them your pet, which usually isn't the case. It's the other way around. The people who are taking possession of your pet are doing the favor, but at the same time, there should be some monetary um, consideration because it does cost money to keep pets. I have six dogs and three cats and three horses, and I know how much it costs um, to take care of a pet. And I just want to make the point that um, we have to be responsible pet owners. If we're expecting somebody to take care of our animals, we need to make sure that they have the resources to do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the seniors that I get typically have a lot of health issues. Like I mentioned, the mammary tumors, which um, you know, can often be cancerous, or if they're not spayed, they have pyometra, which is a deadly uh, infection of the uterus, um, you know, and all these things cost a lot of money to take care of, and we do get a lot of blind dogs. And with the blind ones, we try to do whatever we can to restore their sight, and um, up to now, I think we've had four successful cataract surgeries, and, uh, you know, those cost $6,000. So um, we, every dog that we take in, we may not take in 
thousands, but we give the best quality possible, um, best quality of care that we can because we want them to have the best rest of their life. Um, and it's just, it's a beautiful thing to watch them be able to see again after five years of not being able to see. So. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that must be very rewarding. I did notice from your Instagram account that you also take in a few cats. Yeah, the cat population here is also overwhelming, probably more so than the dogs. But I, I take them on an emergency basis. Typically, they're um, they're injured, we, you know, hit by car or whatever, or kittens that need bottle feeding, um, because the shelter won't take kittens like that small. So, um, yeah, I do what I can. I often get them when I'm at the shelter. I'll see people turning in cats, and I just it kills me. I it breaks my heart. So, yeah, I sometimes can't say no, and I do take cats. So you're well-known at the shelter, I take it? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, everyone, everyone calls me. So They see you coming, and they're like, oh, here comes Piper. What do we have for her today? Exactly, yeah. Tell us about your own pets, Piper. Um, I have seven, um, mostly seniors, except for... One, actually maybe all seniors now, I don't know. Um, yeah, ranging from about, I don't know, I think my oldest might be like 25. I, he's, he's really old. I've only had him for four years, but I think that when I got him, I thought he was already 20. So um, he's a little chihuahua. and he's Wow, that would be like amazing. one of the oldest dogs I ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny, um, but he's doing great. Uh, and then I, I, yeah, all my dogs, I think are seniors now. So, um, all from different shelters, all from different situations. I even have one from Taiwan, uh, from the meat trays and, uh, she's a, she's my largest dog. She's about 40 pounds and, um, got her from Taiwan about 12 years ago and, uh, she's great. Well, and that's a whole other um, show that we could talk about is the uh, dog meat trade in um, some of the Asian countries and how horrible that is and the efforts that um, some of the U.S. rescues are, are doing to try to alleviate that problem. And if there was one thing that you could say would help reduce this homelessness of pets, what would that be? Spay and neuter. Spay and neuter. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yet it's interesting that um, people don't necessarily automatically go to that place. Um, I have a, a friend who created a spay and neuter not-for-profit. That's all they do. And her husband basically laughed at her and said they would be out of business in one year. Um, they've now been in business for five years, and they've spayed and neutered more than 40,000 animals here in central Florida. And and yet the problem is never-ending. I know. I know. Just I feel like I never get a handle on it, and I work tirelessly, like 365 days a year. and seven days a week. I was just, it's crazy. It never seems to get any better and I don't understand it. Um, it's, it's absolutely overwhelming, but I think for sure, um, a lot of the cities around LA, especially people don't spay and neuter their pets and they let them, uh, run around in the streets. And obviously 
they're mating with other dogs on the streets and there's just endless puppies running around and it's really sad a lot of them don't get to dance but that is true. So, okay. So our message is spay and neuter your pets, have a plan for your pets. Um, I would love for people to go to your Instagram page and see some of the animals that you have for adoption um, or to visit your Facebook page or to go to your website. Do you want to share with us, please, Piper, um, how we find you? Sure. Uh, my Instagram is at handinpaw, H-A-N-D-I-N-P-A-W. My Facebook is facebook.com slash hand paw rescue and my website is www.handinpawrescue.com so keeping up with all of the social media aspect of your um, rescue has to be um, pretty much a full-time job too (laughs) yeah it is Uh, but luckily I have everything kind of linked up so when I post on Instagram, it goes to my Twitter and my uh, Facebook. But, um, yeah, no, I, I have to constantly update people. I'm really lucky to have a pretty large following. Um, but, you know, with all the cases that we have, people are constantly asking for updates. So I try to keep everyone apprised of everything. And um, we've been taking in some Tijuana street dogs lately. Um, and those are just about always... Um, some sort of injury or major illness. So we just got one that um, had to have a $4,500 surgery to correct a botched surgery that was done down in Tijuana. I found out about the dog after it had the surgery in Tijuana. Otherwise, I wouldn't have allowed them to do it. Um, He had a shattered femur and and pelvis from getting hit by a car down there. So we brought him up here and did the surgery up here, um, and he's getting better, but we thought he was going to die because the surgery down there and it caused a massive infection and sepsis um, in his bone. So it was awful, but um, he's on our Instagram. His name is Hero, and um, he's a little schnauzer puppy. He's really cute. Um, but we, we do take a lot of Tijuana Street dogs, and there's a lot of mutilation down there, and um, uh, it's just awful mange uh and distemper. We were actually getting one next week that just survived distemper. Um, just a lot of really bad stuff. And I know there's a lot of need up in LA alone, but sometimes I see these Tijuana dogs and it's just, it just kills me. And so we try to take as many as we can from down there as well. Okay. Well, we appreciate everything you're doing. And I want to remind our listeners that you're listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Pet Will Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can chat with us live at mixlr.com forward slash petwill. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. Today, we're talking with Piper Wood. She's the founder and president of Hand in Paw Rescue. Do you have a stated mission, Piper, for Hand in Paw? Uh, what does that mean? Well, like, what's your overarching goal? What are you What are you trying to accomplish other than just, you know, find homes for these animals? I mean, do you have a broader purpose? Uh, ultimately, my goal would be to have a center that I could build that would have a vet in there and then have an adoption center um, and then have, like, a giant space that is kind of set up like a home so it's not kennels um, so that the dogs would be living in what looks like a home environment because right now we have foster homes we have about I would say 20 
25 foster homes, and um, I think that's really important because um, these dogs are coming from a bad situation, whether it's a shelter or the streets or an abusive home or whatever, and um, they're going into a home where they're getting love and attention and they're learning socialization and basic skills, uh, basic training, potty training, etc. cetera. And um, so I would want whatever I eventually uh, build to mock that so that they can continue that um, healing and, and training so that by the time that they get adopted, they're already ready to go. Um, and that's another problem with the shelters is that people adopt from a shelter and number one, the dog gets sick off most of the time. I mean, they either have kennel cough, which turns into pneumonia, or they have other health issues that aren't going to be caught in the shelter, and then the dog gets returned because they don't want to deal with that, or they have behavioral issues that they weren't aware of. So having them in a foster home is really beneficial um, to the success of their adoption because we know of all the issues possible. And if they do have an issue, we work with them, uh, with a trainer or with myself because I... I work with a lot of behavioral dogs. so, um, But, yeah, just a, a large center that I could kind of a one-stop shop kind of thing to adopt and have all of that care and everything. Um, I, I can envision that. I think that sounds great where you would walk in and it would be more like a home than an actual shelter because um, so many of the dogs, you're right, that come out of a shelter environment, they have PTSD or some sort of illness just from being at the shelter, and it's such an overwhelming experience for them. I'm, I'm on your site right now, and I, I'm looking at some of the before and after pictures, um, particularly Jasper, who looks like a completely different dog in his after picture than his before, where he was a little dirty street dog, and, and then he's a perfectly white, cute little um, perfect dog. My dog. He um, unfortunately passed away last year. Oh. Uh, yeah, I had him for three years, and when I got him out of the shelter, he was another one of those dogs that had about 15 minutes to live because he was sick. And um, in San Bernardino uh, is a very high kill shelter, especially if they are sick. So um, I got him out and basically took him to the emergency uh, vet, and the doctor there said he wasn't going to make it through the night and to just put him to sleep. And I refused to do that. I took him home, and I literally laid on the bathroom floor with him and held his little paw all night, and I got him through it, and then I got him back in the hospital. He's in the hospital for almost a month on IVs and stuff. He had really severe pneumonia. Um, and then we just kind of bonded through that whole thing, and I got him through it, and I had three good years with him, but um, I did lose him last year. Um, but I... He was my favorite. Oh, so see, every now and then one crawls right into your heart and then you end up with another dog, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I've cut myself off for now, but um, when I lost Jasper, I, um, I had just rescued another senior chihuahua and um, I, I ended up adopting him because when Jasper died, like I, um, I felt like this dog was just... Um, became that personality that I had lost in my life. So he's like my little sidekick now, and his name is Zeus. And oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Um, so for people who are listening that might be in the L.A. area, if they want to get involved with Hand and Paw, what would they do, and what are their opportunities for volunteering? 
Number one need is fostering, that is for sure. Um, fosters are the most important part of my rescue, and I am so grateful to everyone who has uh, fostered for me and continues to foster for me um, because I, I wouldn't be able to do it without them. Um, but if you just go to my website, www.handinpawrescue.com, there is a foster application. Um, you know, as long as you have a secure yard or if you don't have a yard, whatever, uh, just as long as you're able to take in a dog and love it until it gets adopted, and we have a pretty um, high turnover rate, you know, I'm just so grateful. That's what I need the most. And then we do have um, adoption events every Saturday at um, a store called Unleashed by Petco in Monrovia. And uh, so we have all our dogs there, and we have a bunch of volunteers that can come and just basically pet dogs all day. And um, it's, it's pretty fun. And, um, yeah, that's, that's my two biggest needs for volunteering. Um, but, yeah, best way to get a hold of me is on my website or even through Instagram. Okay, and then, of course, uh, if people um, are not in California and they want to donate, they can donate at your site. And I also see that there's an Amazon wish list if, um, if people want to um, just send things that you need from our good friend Amazon. Um, if you're a Prime member, go ahead and go to her wish list and send her something um, to help you accomplish this overarching goal of getting these dogs off the street and into forever homes. And, and I know it's a challenge, not just in California, but all over the country, that um, rescue organizations are working day and night to um, try to alleviate the problem, and the problem continues. So we certainly um, appreciate the work that you're doing. How many animals do you have um, that are available for adoption right now, Piper? Oh, gosh, I would say about 25 um, we have a mother with six puppies right now, so that's seven right there, um, and they're going to be ready for adoption. They'll be eight weeks on Saturday, so they have a few more days and they're ready. What um, kind of puppies are those? Uh, terrier mix. She looks like a, she's a little white, scruffy terrier. Um, her puppies are adorable. You can see them on my Instagram. There's like... I, I did see them. They are adorable. So anybody who's looking for a little terrier mix puppy, I see them. They're all in a pile there on the Instagram photo. Yeah, they're, they're great. Um, yeah, and then I have a few seniors. Um, yeah, and the rest are all smaller dogs, all terrier mixes. And uh, we have a three-legged terrier mix from Tijuana. She's really cute. Um, and then we have another one, another terrier mix. If you go on my Instagram, you'll see them side by side. Uh, the other terrier mix is a miracle dog. She, we got her from Bakersfield. She'd been hit by a car and left in a ditch to die. And we got her, um, two weeks after she was hit. She was just laying there. Um, but she broke her spine and the doctors up there said she had no chance to live at all. And we got her down here and we did some spinal treatments on her and now she can walk and she's amazing so. well and, and we know from experience that dogs don't need four legs to get around perfectly um, so whether a dog has four legs three legs or I even saw one on Facebook the other day with two legs it was getting along just fine um, so if you if anyone who's listening can help out with seniors or with special needs dogs I know that would certainly be appreciated 
So, yeah. So tell us about um, tell us about a couple of your dogs that are available for adoption right now. Um, in addition to the puppies. Oh, like I said, Jewel. She's that little terrier mix with a broken spine. Um, she has the best personality. I, I mean, she's just such a survivor, and um, I, I just really want to see her in a good home. Um, we have Trinity. She's the three-legged one from Tijuana. Runs faster than any other dog you'll ever see. She's amazing. Uh, we have Fred. He's a little um, Chihuahua Terrier mix. Um, he's about seven pounds. Very cute face. Again, you can see all these guys on Instagram because I post them regularly, regularly from our um, adoption events. Um, I have Oliver. He is uh, both deaf and blind. He's about 10 years old. Um, but the sweetest, sweetest little boy ever. I have him right now. I'm fostering him. Um, we have Tabitha. She is a 25-pound um, Patterdale Terrier mix. Um, she was a feral dog in San Bernardino, but I've been working with her for a few months. She's doing really well. Uh, who else do I have? Um, Arthur. He is a little senior chihuahua, very sweet. And then we're getting um, a distemper survivor from uh, from Tijuana next week. He's like a poodle mix. And then we're getting another terrier mix from Tijuana who had his tail cut off by somebody. I don't know what happened there. Um, he just had surgery. Then we have Hero. He's the one I mentioned earlier that had the botched surgery, but we put um, a plate in his legs, and he's doing really well. He'll be available in another uh, probably two weeks. Oh, I saw his photo on there with the x-ray. Yeah, yeah. We have some uh, newer videos posted of him. He's so much happier now, but he was an absolute mess when we got him. Um, who else? Are we? I can't think. Um, so, well, suffice it to say that there are lots of available dogs that um, Piper would be happy to place in a forever home. And um, Piper, we just thank you so much for all the work that you're doing um, and the events that you hold on a weekly basis. And then do you have any major fundraising events? I do one once a year. We just started doing it actually last year um, called Wine and Whiskers. And, uh, yeah, we have a uh, wine tasting and silent auction, live auction. But I'm going to start planning that for um, next June. Um, yeah, super important. All we rely solely on donations. Um, I do not pay myself, uh, so 100% of every dollar goes to the dogs. Um, our medical medical needs are uh, huge because we do spend a lot of money on um, a lot of specialized surgeries that, uh, you know, save their legs if possible. I mean, you know, with Hero, we could have spent probably $4,000 less and just amputated his leg, but we really wanted him to have the best quality. So um, we do everything we can for every single dog. Um, so donations are super important. That's excellent. Well, I want to encourage everybody to please check out Hand and Paw at their website, on Instagram, on Facebook. If there's anything you can do to help to be a foster or provide a donation, I know that Piper would very much appreciate that. 
Um, she and I are both in favor of spaying and neutering our pets and making sure that we have a plan for our pets so that if something happens to us, that our pets are not found in the shelter environment, that they do have a predetermined place to go with plenty of funds so that they can be well taken care of and so that it gives rescues like Piper's the ability to take more pets and not have to take our pets. Um, so we really do appreciate everything that you're doing, Piper. And um, I understand you're also a vegan. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. <laughs> um, well, I was a chef, and I was cooking, uh, gosh, a lot of meat, um, and didn't really. I, well, I became a vegetarian when I was twelve, the first time, and uh, just through the years, I kind of lost. I, I don't know. I kind of justified it, um, eating meat again, and especially with being a chef, I had to just kind of shut it, shut my mind off completely. But um, as soon as I started rescuing. Um, I, I couldn't stop there. I couldn't not make the connection between a dog and a cow and a chicken or whatever. Um, you know, especially getting a dog from Taiwan that was from the meat trade. It's just, you know, they, where do you draw the line? And I know a lot of people, um, think animals were just here for, put here for us or whatever, but, um, I don't think that the way that they are treated in factory farming is okay in any way. And um, all you really have to do is look how they're treated, and it's it's awful. And it's, um, the health benefits are extraordinary. I um, I became a vegan five years ago, and my energy, I mean, my stamina to do this seven days a week and um, – I also do boot camp every single day. Like, I have never had so much energy or um, as much strength as I have now. So, um, but it, it's really all about the animals. The health benefits are just extra for me. Um, and I kind of converted my whole family, too. So, um, but, uh, yeah, for me, it's just, I can't, I can't save one animal and then know that I took part in the suffering of another. And, and, you know, you can say that some animals are humanely raised and killed, but I, for me, that doesn't exist. I don't feel that there's a way to humanely kill an animal because they all want to live and they all have the same fear and the same feelings um, as we do, and especially um, as dogs. So if you, if you see an animal in the street suffering like a dog, then you just have to know that the cows and the pigs and the chickens are all suffering the same and they have it much worse off than the dogs um that's for sure uh they have really horrible lives out there so um i just couldn't in my mind contribute to that anymore and uh happy that i don't take part in um not just eating meat but eating dairy as well because um that in itself is uh possibly even more um than, than the meat industry so yeah well thank you for sharing that um, it's it's nice to hear um, a former chef's perspective on um, a vegan lifestyle and and how we can still be healthy and um, have plenty to eat without um, contributing to the loss of life um, 
for our animal friends. So uh, I think all of our listeners can hear that um, we have a person who not only talks the talk, but she walks that talk as well. And um, I think you'd be an excellent resource for anybody who wanted to um, reach out and help your organization and all of the wonderful things that you're doing out in California. So as we come to a close here, uh, is there any last things you'd like to say um, to our audience, Piper? Well, you asked me earlier what the number one, um, aside from spay neutering, would help the homeless population, and I would say microchipping your pets. Um, I, in our rescue, we've lost a few fosters that have, you know, escaped, or even adopters that have escaped their homes, and um, just about all of them have been recovered, and they've all been microchipped, and I think that's such a huge asset, um, because even if your dog has a collar and tags, and those things can fall off, and... Um, People typically, when they find an animal, will take them to the nearest vet or nearest uh, pet store, and they all have scanners. So that's the best way to reunite, um, I feel. And um, I don't know. I, I, I was at my event a few weeks ago, and some lady came in, and she said, uh, what does your adoption fee include? And I told her, microchipping, spay, neuter, um, vaccines, blah, blah, blah. And she said, you microchip your dogs? And I said, of course. Like, that's we have recovered so many animals that way. And she said that that was a um, violation of their rights, but I, I honestly I don't see that. Um, it, it's simply there to save their lives, and um, and it's been proven uh, with me many times. I mean, I have, we've, we've rescued over 3,000 animals, and it's just um, they're all microchipped, and, and without that, so many of them would be lost forever. So... Um, it, people go to the shelters to look for their pets, but sometimes people hang on to them um, because they don't want to take them to the shelter. And so microchipping is sort of the bridges the gap there. So um, Excellent. Well, I think that's excellent advice. And uh, um, we. I also support microchipping as well as um, a ID tag that's linked to an online profile. So if you have both, you have doubled your opportunity for getting your pet back and making sure that your pet will be well taken care of. Um, thanks again. Pardon? Oh yeah. Now they do have the GPS trackers. I just got one of those for my dachshund because she's such a little sneak. Um, and, uh, so now I can track her from my phone and figure out where she's trying to hide from me in my yard. Um, because she's little and she's red and she ducks under a bush and and then I'm not exactly sure where she is. But, uh, yeah, so we've got lots of ways not to lose our pets and to stay in touch. And um, thank you again, Piper, for joining me on the show today. And I just want to encourage all of our listeners to um, please adopt one before you ever consider buying one. And um, my favorite saying is, until there are none, please adopt one. And we'll be here on Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We look forward to talking to you and sharing these wonderful stories and learning about what people all over the country are doing to help animals. Please feel free to comment on our Facebook page at All My Children Wear Fur Coats or at Twitter at Kids in Fur Coats. And I'll see you next week and happy tales until then. Thank you for joining us on Pet Will Radio. Visit PetWillRadio.com for updates on shows, 
links to previous shows, inspirational stories, videos, and more. Until next time, take care.